This podcast is proudly brought to you by Sky Racing and Ingress, number one in its field. My special guest is Leon Corstens, who spent 16 years as Bart Cummings' stable foreman in Melbourne. And uh, Leon has great memories and great affection for a big New Zealand mare called Let's Elope, who landed unheralded and unsung. She had won two races, I think, in New Zealand, Leon, but nobody uh, could have imagined what she was about to achieve. Um, once again, I, I, when she landed in, in Australia, I think I was overseas at the time, I think I was in a place called Austria. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the owners rang me and told me that they, um, one of the owners, I think a chap, no, it was one, a vet rang me and told me that they'd bought or he'd passed uh, a man called Let's Elope. Mm-hmm. Evidently, they got her because that, they, I'm, I'm getting a bit bamboozled here. Mm-hmm. I think, I, I, from what I can re- recollect, the vet went over there to check her out. Evidently, she. Everyone thought that she had uh, a bad heart, mm. and this vet at the time said that some of the great mares, uh, when they're out resting, they sort of miss. They miss a beat, mm. and this is what they thought was happening with her, and they classified it as a bad heart. Mm. And the vet that went over there to inspect her said, no, nah, horses, really good horses or horses with big hearts can do that at times. Um, so I think uh, they got her a bit cheaper than what, what they would have originally um, and sort of eventuated from there. We never had any trouble as far as hearts go with her because she won quite a few races. Mm. You know, the one thing you found out about her pretty early in the piece was the fact that she could not handle a rain-affected track. No, we. I think we gave her two runs. Uh, when I say we gave her two runs, she was there to win as she could, but it uh, was a bit too short for her. Mm. Then we backed her up in a race called the Royal Show Handicap uh, on, I think it was on a Thursday in those days, and Shane Dye came down to ride her. Mm. And uh, we had a look. We had a little trickle overnight, but I never ever thought that that would sort of uh, worry her too much. Um, and uh, we said to Shane Dye that, look, I think all you've got to do is ease her out at the top of the straight, and, and she'll do the rest. She'll just work home. And Joey, who was riding to work at the moment, and and myself, we both thought that she was just past the post, yeah. and we unloaded. We used to have a little punt now and then. We really unloaded on this particular day. Yeah. And, uh, well, when she came to the top of the straight, Shane Dye eased her out, and that's where she stayed. Mm. I think she finished closer to last than she did near the winner. Yeah. And uh, we found out that uh, she just was no good at all. You know, on, on, on a damp effect track, she was just useless. Well, Shane Dye jumped off very quickly. Uh, he found himself another Melbourne Cup ride, Shivers Revenge, which finished up running second. And there was a young jockey riding work at Flemington at that time who was just starting to make a name for himself. You liked him. You liked the way he rode. And I think you engineered his booking for Let's Elope. I refer to Stephen King. Yeah, I think we had a young fellow by the name of Damien Oliver at the time working for uh, Lee Friedman. Mm. And uh, uh, we did ask Damien, first of all, if if, uh, if he could ride her. 
in the first weight for age race he won, I forget what race it was, and Damien said, oh, look, I'll let you know, I'll let you know. And I said, oh, well, we won't worry about this, I'll let you know. So we went to see Johnny Maher and see if we could uh, acquire the services of Stephen King, and it sort of fell from there on. Yeah, I think Stephen had his 21st birthday the day he won the cup on Let's Elope. Oh, I think you could be right. <laughs> yeah, very early in his career. It certainly launched him, and he's the first to admit that, Leon. It, uh, it gave Stephen's career a terrific kickstart. What a bonnie mare she was, and couldn't she let down? She certainly could. I remember, I remember, I think Darren beat Rota in the Australian Cup there one year, mm. and she, she beat C. Shiver's Revenge again in that particular race. Mm. But coming past uh, the old Chiquita Stables, I think there was a wet patch there, and, and she sort of she made a run beforehand, and all of a sudden she looked like she'd broken down. She sort of went right back again. And uh, mm. I think Darren realised that there was a bad patch there on that that part of the track and he just just helped her, helped her, helped her and she just went away and won again. That was a really, really good, strong win. A horse you absolutely loved was Shaftesbury Avenue, a long striding chestnut who won 13 from 28. He won 2.2 million. I'm talking about... 1993 or 94, it was a lot of money then. He won six Group 1s. He was placed in another five. He ran third in a Japan Cup. He broke down in a track gallop one morning at Randwick, which was a, a tragic thing to see. Uh, wasn't he a super horse, Shaftesbury Avenue? He was He was really, really a super horse. He, um, he really should have won the... Uh the uh, Japan Cup. Uh, Joey and I were over there together with this particular horse, and uh, uh, I think maybe one of the very, very few times that Bart got things a bit wrong. Um, he didn't think that Shaftesbury, I'm sure he thought that Shaftesbury couldn't quite get the mile and a half, and he asked Darren to, to just hold the horse up or hold the horse up, and I, I'm, I'm quite certain had we being closer to the lead, I reckon we will get away with the Japan Cup. Mm. As Bart's Melbourne foreman, you would go long periods without actually seeing him, but rarely did a, a day go by that you didn't speak to him. Oh, look, we were either on the phone or I'd had to photocopy uh, um, the work to him, etc., etc. Mm. Um, there, there was hardly ever a day you didn't talk to him. Was was he happy to receive any consultation from you? If you had an opinion about a horse or its feeding or the amount of work it was getting or not getting, could you convince him that something needed to be changed? Yeah, I, I, I'm quite certain I, I could. Um, he'd listen. He'd listen to anybody, like you know. Um, and uh, I'm sure that uh, the only reason I've ever lasted with him for 16 or I think well the whole time, even with Melbourne, I would have been there. I'd have been with him about 22 years. Mm. I reckon that's the only reason I lasted so long. Yeah. In 1994, you felt the need for a change. You'd garnered a lot of experience by then, and you knew if you were ever going to train in your own right, this was the time. You gave Bart. 
three months' notice. Do you recall his reaction? Yeah, actually, he he was really pleased. He was really pleased I was going out on my own. Um, in fact, he said to me that uh, after that, I, you know, once it terminated, that he, I could come to Sydney and he'd take me out. He had a boat, evidently, in Sydney, and they'd take me out on the boat and do all this and all that. Like, and I said, yeah, no worries. Mm. <laughs> all sounded really good. Um, but once, once I'd finally left him, I went to New Zealand and trying to run up a bit of business and uh, just get into a few studs, get to know a few people around uh, New Zealand. Mm. And uh, my boys rang me and they said, Dad, you better come home. We've got to organise some stables because a lot of owners are ringing up want to know, uh, want, wanting to give you the horses. Like, you know? So um, I got on the first plane back and um, lo and behold, there were quite a few stable horses um, I didn't have anywhere to go, so I, I, I bumped into this fella called Ernie Hewitt, and he was up oh, down Ballarat Road, quite, quite away from Flemington. Uh, yeah, Rockbank, was that the place? Rockbank, that's it, that's mm. it. And uh, we started off up there. Um, we did get quite a few of Bart's horses, and I don't think he was very, very, you know, excited uh, about with it. That. Uh, no, I'm sure he wasn't. But look, had the shoe been on the other foot, he would have done exactly the same. So it was yeah. a good start. And, uh, off I went, like. mm. Well, Bart didn't have much to say to you for quite a while after that incident. And um, one day at Geelong Races, he just bowled straight up to you and launched into conversation as though nothing had happened. And from that moment on, you had a great relationship with him. Yeah, I think I think we had a, a winner, uh, a horse that looked like being all right, and uh, all of a sudden Bart came up and started talking and started asking about different horses that I had, and uh, look, it just from there on, it was just like like the old days, really. Mm. You know, in less than a year, you trained your first Group One winner in your own right. It was a filly called Sharon Tessa. And the race you won was the South Australian Oaks of 1995. I think Simon Price rode her that day. He did. Um, and, uh, look, we thought she was, she was pretty, uh, I think she was about 40 or 50 to 1, something like that. Mm. Uh, she could always stay a bit. And uh, I think the way Simon rode her that day, just everything fell into into his lap and away we went. Like, you know, it was it was. Um, Awesome. It was a really, really good win. She won only one more race after that, but it was a nice one to win. It was the 1996 Kyneton Cup, and the jockey, Leon, just to refresh your memory, was Michael Carson. <laughs> that is, yeah, I, I can't. That was a long time ago. Um, yeah, it was, it was a really good race to win, and we were really happy with her. Um, I I think we backed her up again oh, a couple of weeks later at uh, Flemington. I, think she, I don't know. I think she won fourth or fifth, somewhere like that, but she did end up breaking down, so uh, we were lucky to get that cotton cup out of the way. The completion of the Great Southern Sale in Melbourne brought down the curtain on a spectacular sales season for Inglis. 
In 2019, English cleared an amazing 85% of all yearlings offered a Southern Hemisphere high. English sold 19 of the 30 yearlings in Australia to make more than a million dollars, as well as the only two yearlings to sell for two million or more. English graduates have won 20 individual Group 1 races for the season so far. Inglis ended the sales season as the Southern Hemisphere market leader. Entries for the classic Melbourne Premier, Australian Easter, Melbourne Gold and Scone Yearling sales will be open in early July. You'll find details and entry forms at inglis.com.au. You've had a lot of highs in your long career and a few lows that you could have done without. Now, horses trained under your name returned positive swabs on a couple of occasions, resulting in your having to take enforced holidays. Now, no matter what the circumstances, the licensed trainer has to wear the consequences of any irregularity that occurs in his or her stable. How do you look back on it now? Uh, How do I look back? Yeah, look, at the time, Tappy, it was very, very embarrassing. for myself and more so for my family. Uh, the two boys, I think, were with me at the time and I've I let quite a few people down. Uh, it was just one of those things. Uh, one thing, uh, Lisa Stewart's let the two boys train and it, it sort of worked out. Uh, if they hadn't let them train, well, maybe I wouldn't have been here talking to you today. Of course. Now, <clears throat> there are two more Leon Corston's trained horses that I've got to ask you about. One of them, Star Spangled Banner. Probably the best horse you've trained in your own right. Did you get him as a yearling? Yeah, we got him as a yearling. Um, Brad Spicer and Troy brought him together. Uh, I think they bought him of uh, Make a Diva fame, Tony Santek. Sentic, and, yeah. Yeah, he stayed in the horse. Terrific. Uh, was always a really nice yearling. Uh, I think we started off with him up at the place called Romsey where I was originally training. And um, he took took a little while to sort of come right, like, you know. Uh, when when we first started off with him, I didn't think he was ever going to be as precocious as what he's turned out to be. Mm. Um uh, once he had a couple of trials, uh, he sort of turned around and became a racehorse overnight. He was he was really a really good horse, a really good horse. He only raced seventeen times. He won seven of them, four placings, two point two million. You won five with him, including an Oakley Plate and a Caulfield Guinness. Now Coolmore bought into him when he was a three-year-old. So you knew he'd be going to Aidan O'Brien at some stage. I did, and Coolmore were good enough to shout me a holiday to Ireland mm. to go and have a look at the horse uh, and introduce me to Aidan O'Brien. And uh, Aidan did ask me when I seen the horse. He did ask me. He said, uh, "What do you see different about him? What do you see different about him?" Mm. And I said to him, well, he's quite a few pounds lighter than what we had him over in in Australia. Mm. I'm so glad you said that, he said. And he ended up asking me how I ever got him 
to win over a mile. Mm. And uh, I just told him, I said, you know, I used to take him out uh, at home at Romsey and ride him around the track in the afternoon, say four or five laps and mm. just let him have a pick wherever he wanted to. Mm. Um, I said, why do you ask that? He said, oh, he said, I didn't think he'd ever run a, a mile. He said, I thought this is the fastest horse I've ever, ever had. Mm. He won two Group 1s uh, for Aidan O'Brien. He won the G- Golden Jubilee and also the July Cup at Newmarket. But, you know, Leon, he may never have been the horse he was without the time and the effort you put into him in the early stages. He was a highly strung fellow, wasn't he? <sighs> He was. He he was. Um, he he was. He turned out to be one of those horses that pulled really, really hard. And I had to get him to win the guineas. I had to sort of try and settle him down somehow, you know. But I would say uh, the fellow that was on him at the time um, rode him impeccably well. Uh, fellow by name was Danny Nikolic. Oh, yeah. um, I thought he'd done a super job on the horse. So uh, I think a lot of credit had to, had to go there. Mm. And finally, to Hellenus, another horse who required a hell of a lot of work and effort. Uh, to say he was a bullish cult is an understatement. That was really an understatement. Um, yeah. We won. We won the guineas with uh, with him too. Um, he, he sort of started turning really culty, Tappy, when I took him to Sydney. Mm. Um, we give him a trial, and he trialed exceptionally well. I forget the first race we ran him in over there, but I remember um, I went to go and have a look at the horse, and he was a strapper, and he sort of squirting the horse. He was screaming. This horse was screaming out every time a horse went past him. Mm. Oh, I said, oh, I'm not going near this. <laughs> no. He was just – he just seemed to change overnight really with him. He, he – I don't know, he just became really bullish, like, you know. Yeah. Uh, I remember selling the horse and then we had to sort of chase him to get him up the raceway mm. into the Randwick enclosure. Mm. And uh, he raced accordingly. He went terrible. Mm. Um, we played around with him quite a bit before his next run. I think his next run was the Rose Hill Guineas. Yes, he won that. And yeah. um, we put quite a bit of work into him when we got him there, but uh, I think I think his mannerism really let him down at the finish. Yeah. Well, his record was good despite that. He won a Caulfield Guineas, a Victoria Derby, a Rose Hill Guineas, a Group 2 Amy Vars and a Group 2 Bill Stutt and he won about $2.1 million. He did fairly well at stud, Leon. He got a couple of good Group 1 winners for Pat Carey, didn't he? Ethiopia and Cedarburg. Yeah, he, he done pretty good. I think I think um, that he was impotent, and um, this is what why he never ever got the opportunity that he did, like, you know. Mm. Well, you say you've got 40 there at Geelong. How many's Troy got at Flemington? He's only got about thirty there, so uh, I've been I've been sending him nasty texts lately. I asked him what he was doing. <laughs> if you had to pick two or three that punters can follow in the immediate future, what would they be? Anything there you really like? Well, I reckon I just 
tipped him out for a couple of weeks as a star star spangled banner colt. In fact, uh, I think he's a lovely colt. And oh, look, I'm hoping to hell that he proves me right. He's a really, really nice, athletic looking colt. And uh, you know, uh, I think I think he's our future. Right? Is he named? He hasn't been named as yet. No. Right. Okay, mate. We'll keep an eye out. What's he out of? Um, I forget. I was hoping you wouldn't ask me that. <laughs> Never mind. We'll find him. <laughs> well, we've had quite a few youngsters go through lately, so, you know, yeah. uh, it's a bit hard to keep track of them all. Well, Leon, you were one little Dutch boy who didn't have to plug a hole in a dike uh, to, just, make, just as well. <laughs> <laughs> to make a name for himself. You made your name in the romantic sport of horse racing, and it's fair to say that you got to put a bridle on more good horses than most. Yeah, I think I've been very fortunate in my life. And uh, look, I, I look. I'm 74 at the moment, Tappy, and I'm still doing what I did say 30, 40 years ago. So I think I've been a very lucky man. Lovely to have you on the podcast, Leon Corstens. Thanks for your time. Thanks, John Tapp. And this podcast was produced by Supernova Sound. The recent Great Southern Sale at the beautifully renovated Oakland's Junction Complex was an outstanding success. The select weanlings offered on the first two days averaged over $32,000 with a clearance rate of almost 80%. 22 of them sold for $100,000 or more. The broodmares also enjoyed considerable increases across all key indicators. An average of 25,000 up 27%, a median of 8,000 up 45% and a gross of 5.1 million up 15%. Top of the market was again very strong with nine horses selling for $200,000 or more. Across four days of selling, the gross was almost 17.7 million up 11%. It's time for vendors to switch the attention to the 2020 yearling sales and entries will open in early July. Go to inglis.com.au.